You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Well, good evening, church. Uh, just thank you for, um, for me and my wife, just uh, the love you've shown us and um, just uh, feeling at home here. This is a great church. <laughs> you have great leaders here and a great church, and I know you know that, but, uh, but uh, it's just incredible to see what God's doing, and thank you for uh, just your consideration in our ministry, and uh, wow, just a very humbling moment for sure, and thankful to finish out your GROW conference, and uh, it was incredible to sit uh, under Tim's ministry again. We ministered at another place together, and I just thought it was so cool we get to do it again. It's not very often that evangelists kind of coincide very often to like we're at the same place, and uh, it's just really cool to be uh, with Tim, and I know they're just getting home soon, and uh, and and so it was just great hearing all he had to say and, and now just finishing up this time together. I think I, if you haven't been with us during our studies or uh, Sunday morning, if you weren't at this, this campus. I always like to kind of show my family just in case. I'm Lynn. Uh, this is my beautiful wife, Holly. Uh, we've, been, we've been hanging out for 35 years. We celebrate 35 years this summer, and uh, so that's incredible. And then we have two adult daughters, and, uh, and their husbands are there. We, I love to show that because they're a great support of our ministry, and they all love God, and I think they're the coolest people on the planet. And so I get that opportunity to, to show that. And also, if you weren't with us before, my oldest daughter, we just found out, is pregnant, and we're going to be grandparents for the first time. And so our first grandchild in April, so we're really excited about that. And, uh, and again, if you would grab a card. There's a few cards on the table on the right as you go out of our ministry. Mostly that's for if you want to sign up for your new, our newsletter, hang out, see what's going on, that'd be great. Uh, but mostly set it somewhere, maybe in your Bible on the pile of bills on your table, on a mirror somewhere, just to remember, hey, these guys could use some prayer. Would you pray for us? And uh, just remember us uh, and the ministry that God would just open some more doors. He does that supernaturally, but how many of you know, as Paul did, he asked for prayer for open doors. We asked the same thing from the church, that God would just open more doors and we could build more relationships and continue uh, to take that message. And so I want to get into the word this morning. So if you've got, your, or this evening, if you've got your Bibles, would you uh, turn? Here we go. You ready? It's going to be a hard one. Genesis in chapter one. Genesis in chapter one. We're going to go right to uh, the beginning today or this evening, I want to talk about uh, discovering good. Discovering good. I want to dig deeper into a very ancient text. I want to take time in the beginning. Isn't that a great place to start? Right in the beginning. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take some time. First and foremost, I want to uh, make you aware of something that plagues many of us and we don't even know it. We talked about it upstairs. It's the lullaby effect. Nudge your neighbor and just say, get that out of you right now. What is the lullaby effect? The lullaby effect is simply, I've heard that story. I've heard it before. I, I, I know what's going to happen. This is the creation story. Sometimes you miss all the fun stuff there. So tonight we're going to read it like it's brand new. How about that? It's going to be riveting. It's going to be brand new. It's like you've never heard it before. Doesn't that sound like a good story? And so be aware, look at your neighbor and say, do not let the lullaby affect you tonight. All those words. Tonight, we also want to look at the original intent 
of this author as we look at this. We don't want uh, preconceived ideas, and sometimes we skip it over. How many of you know, uh, a lot of times when we go to Genesis, we go to chapter 3, right? We seem to find ourselves in chapter 3. I don't know why we do that. Isn't that funny? We go right to chapter 3. Well, chapter one, two, 1 and 2 is about creation, and I know all about that. So let's just go on to this next one. And, and there's some, just some great things. I also want to break the preconceived idea that maybe this creation story is a scientific uh, model or book. How many of you know the Bible wasn't ever written to be a scientific book? It's a story, right? It's just a story. And so we want to get that out because we'll miss that. And we'll also forget about the audience it was written to. How many of you know if he was to write this same account to us today, he would probably add more scientific elements to this? Right? If he rewrote this to us today, he would probably add scientific elements. He'd probably answer some of the questions you have, like, how could those plants live with no sun? But he's not trying to answer that here. And how many of you know he's not trying to answer it to an ancient people that would not really perceive that? They don't understand all the atoms and little things that it takes for creation. That's not what he's writing. Do you know what he's writing to? He's writing to a bunch of slaves that were in Egypt. This is the, who his audience is. They just came out of Egypt. There, there are people that were amongst a bunch of other gods and under a different nation, a different ruler, and God is writing this letter to them to kind of in, reintroduce himself to his people and reintroduce themselves to themselves. <laughs> Slaves under foreign gods, under foreign country, and now God's saying, I want to make sure I take some time to get some of that out of you, and I want to introduce myself to you. How about we get reintroduced to Almighty God again? How about we say, take some time? So we're going to look for some, some things within this story from that and, and see what he has for us tonight. So we're going to discover the good of this account. Would it be all right if we just read this whole creation account tonight? Would that be okay? Yeah, so let's read it like we've never heard it before. And let's stand as this letter is written from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're going to stand in honor of him. And I'm just going to read this tonight. We would usually read this aloud together. But tonight I'm just going to read this. And that may speed up that process. But remember, listen to it like Wow, I've never heard that before. And like we talked about in study tonight, we're going to slow it down and listen to every word. And I'm going to remember this was written to slaves. And, and what is he saying as he introduces himself to them again? So listen to these words. Father, I pray that you'd help us to hear. Holy Spirit, let this word be made alive in our hearts tonight. And God, we just submit to hear, to listen and to go forth into this city that needs you, Lord God, with this word. And so, Lord, we're looking into this ancient text for your glory, your truth for us today, in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted. Amen. It says in Genesis chapter 1, there was a beginning, and God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and... I love that. <laughs> and God saw the light and he said... And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light and darkness he called. The evening and the morning were... 
And God said, let there be ferment in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the ferment, divided the waters that were under that from the waters which were above. And it was so. Everyone shout, so. God called the ferment heaven. The evening and the morning, they were the? And God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together to one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was? And God called the dry land. And the gathering together of the water, he called? And God saw it was? And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit of the tree, yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was? And the earth brought forth grass, herb yielding seed after its kind, the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after its kind. And God saw it was? I want you to do something for me tonight. Uh, when we come up to the word good again, will you just say the word tov? Ready, everyone ready? Tov, what is that? That's the Hebrew for good. We're gonna just be some Hebrew speakers tonight. Would that be all right? So when it says good, just shout out tov. You know why I'm having you say that? Because it's fun. Let them be for seasons and for days and for years. Verse 15, let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was... And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set for them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night, divide light from darkness. And God saw that it was? Oh, pat your neighbor on the back and say, you are a good Hebrew speaker. (laughs) And the evening and the morning were the? Four days, some of you lost track. It's okay. And verse 20. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. The moving creatures have life and the fowl that fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. God created the great whales, every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth. It brought them forth abundantly. After their kind, every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was... And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters of the seas. Let the fowl multiply in the earth. In the evening and the morning were the... And God said, let the earth bring forth a living creature after its kind, cattle and creepy things. I don't like creepy things. (laughs) And the beasts of the earth after its kind, and it was. And God made the, did somebody say Tove right there? (laughs) God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps upon the earth after its kind. And God saw that it was. And God saw, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Yeah, that's a good place to shout. Come on. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, the image of God. He created male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish and over the fowl and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, behold, I've given every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in which fruit of the tree yielding seed to it, it shall be to your meat. I want you to note what just happened and I'm gonna reiterate this later, but whatever he created, he just handed over to mankind. And so to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, to every living thing that creeps upon the earth, we're over the creepy things, everyone. Wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was? God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was? Here, I'm going to add this. It's actually tov miod. Are you ready? 
Tov. Okay, I'm going to shout it again. So Tov Miod actually means very good. So I'm going to say it again. So this time you're going to add a little to your Hebrew. Tov Miod. Okay, you ready? And God saw that everything had been made, and behold, it was and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, rested on the seventh day from all his work. God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because that in it he had rested, ceased from all his work which God had created and made. Father, thank you for the story. Man, it's a good one, God. Wow. Thank you for who you are. And God, thank you for this gathering tonight to celebrate who you are, to celebrate you're on the move, that you're moving in this city. And Lord, we know your truth, your word brings life and power. And Lord, I just pray that that would move through us tonight in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, look at your neighbor and say, that was a good story. Yeah, that was a Tove story. Mix some Hebrew in there. You guys are all Hebrew speakers. Just mix it on in there. Here's what I want to do tonight. Just before I dig in, I want to give you a little bit of the journey. We read the word, we've prayed. We're gonna believe God's going to speak to us and he's gonna speak within the voice, within the voice. How many of you know he's going to speak to your hearts tonight? I believe that. I'm gonna preach a message and in that message, I'm going, at the end, I'm going to call you to respond to the message. Why do you tell us that, Lynn? It's because I want you to be ready. I don't want to come to that place and wonder if there's gonna be an altar call or wonder if there's gonna be a, a time of response. I want you to know there's gonna be a time of response so that as God speaks to you to respond to what he's saying inside of you, you know that there'll be a response time and we'll just be ready to respond. There'll be two sections of that response and I want you to be ready for that. It's gonna deal with two certain areas tonight from this message, but I want you to know you're going to have the opportunity to respond to the message tonight and just be in your tour guide tonight, I want to share where we're going and where, where we're going to end up so that you're ready for that and you're not surprised. We won't take a lot of time. We're just going to get there. You're going to be ready and you're just going to respond and we're going to pray. We're going to believe and we're going to go out of that place celebrating the one that wrote this story. And so that's what I wanted to tell you tonight. So let's just dig into this for a few moments. It was once said that oftentimes when we think about the gospel, many times our gospel starts with sin. How many of you have ever had, you know, maybe even that uh, gospel message given to you and, and it kind of starts in sin. Well, you're a sinner and you need a savior, right? But you know what's kind of crazy about that is the actual Bible starts with God's goodness. But for some reason or another, we brought a salvation message or this message that starts with sin, but that's not how the Bible starts. The Bible starts with creator God. That's why I said oftentimes we find ourselves in chapter three for some reason. We seem to always focus on that thing called sin. It's not the greatest enemy, by the way. He's given an answer to that. But I want you to know what the real answer is, is the goodness of God. And why don't we start 
in where he starts, and that's with his goodness and him showing who he truly is. Amen? So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to discover the good because that's how the gospel story, that's how the story starts. And so as he's introducing himself to these slaves, as, as they are being introduced back to themselves, who are they? Remember, they were slaves. And so uh, that slavery, that mentality, that life of all these other gods and who they were, were deep inside of them. How many of you know God took them out of Egypt, but it was going to take some time to get Egypt out of them? And so he needed to take time to declare who he really was because they had an idea after this many hundreds of years in Egypt of what God was like. It probably had confused them. There were some things around them that were a little different. So God needed to share again who he truly was. But he also had to take some time because that slavery and that bondage and the things around them also was shaping them to think differently about themselves. See, what's really crucial in this is God starts right away and says, you know what, I'm above all things. I'm a God that has a spirit. I move, I hear, I see, I speak, I have power. I'm the one that created all these things. All these other gods are just trying to take control of what I've already made. And so here I am. I want to introduce myself to you. I'm the almighty. I'm above all things. There is nothing above me. I control all things. Darkness I have power over. I have power over chaos. When it's dark, I have light. When there's chaos, I have peace. All I have to do is speak and it's done. Your gods can't even speak. I just want to remind you who I am and so here I am, this is me introducing myself. But I also want to take the time to introduce yourself to yourself. Because you've also, in that time of slavery, been taught some things that is not true about yourself. And I want to take time to make sure that we shape that once again, to make sure you know who you really are. And this is going to do this. I want to tell you today, the creation story isn't just about creation. It's about Almighty God putting himself in that spot. Because over that course of time in slavery, he got brought down to a lower spot. He was just reintroducing himself, putting him in the highest spot and reminding that these people that were once slaves are also his good creation because everything around them had told them something different. And I want to tell you today that the world we live in today lies to us. It tries to push us down. It tries to redefine who God really is in our life and what he's really up to. And maybe he's not doing everything he should do. And there's other gods more powerful. Governments are more powerful. Finances are more powerful. World leaders are more powerful. But today we need to hear this good of creation story once again to say he is over every god government over every nation. He is the king of the universe. He's over all things and he controls all things. And he wants to remind you today that you aren't of this world, that you are the good of God. It doesn't matter what the world's telling you, what your friends tell you, what your circumstances tell you today. He wants to reintroduce yourself to yourself that you are a creation of his and you were good and that's where he started you and he's reintroducing you and inviting you back to that spot. I freed you from there so that you might be with me. The creation story. What a great story to remind us 
what we were, who we thought he was, and to get us back. And so I think we need to go back there every once in a while because I don't know about you, sometimes this world tries to tell me more about my God and about who I am, and I just need to go running back to this story to be reminded once again. Even in the circumstances you might be dealing with tonight, it might be dictating to you a little bit of how you view God. Whatever facet that is, whatever you're seeing the world around you like, whatever lenses you might be looking through, it may be defining God a little bit and how you view him, but also how you're viewing yourself. And I think this story is a key. It's a story of the goodness of God. And so that's what we want to look at today. So today, first and foremost, as I said, he, he, he says, hey, here's me. Here's who I am. This is my power. I just want to start there just so that we can get things in the right place because out of that goodness of who I am, I'm about ready to create everything to come. And so then what we're going to do in this device of, of a narrative of the story, we're going to look for things in the literature to help us know what we should look to. There's a couple things that get repeated tonight. How many of you know if things are getting repeated, it's meant that that we're meant to look at them and take some time. There's a few things. One of them is saw. How many of you heard that a few times? And how many of you heard the word tove a few times? Or good. And so why don't we take some time to look at that first? Because if we're looking for goodness, let's see that there is some repetitions of the word tove or good. Now, when I look at this story, I think about God coming along going, okay, let's do this, let's do that. Boom, I say this, light, darkness, splitting, separating, filling. And every time he does that, he looks at it and goes, what? That was good. <laughs> do you think he was doing that? No. But it's kind of awkward, though, when you think about it. Well, that looks pretty good. How many of you ever st stepped back and all of a sudden you made this wonderful dish and you just go, that is good? <laughs> or you won't admit to it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> or you're just praying, somebody else, please say it's good. Please say it's good, right? And all of a sudden, God is doing this and he steps back and goes, wow, that's, that's good. Yeah. And then he comes to the next day and says, wow, that's tov. And I wonder sometimes if we take away that idea that he wasn't just looking at something and going, wow, I did a good job, but rather it is completing the task in which I was creating it to do. And so this day is doing what it's supposed to do, and that's good. And this day is doing things that it's supposed to do, and that's good because there's a system I'm creating, and it's pointing to something else. Can I tell you today that the whole point of creation and all the tove that he shouts is because each day is getting ready for his main purpose of creation, and that's the end, where he kneels down that day instead of speaking it and dividing it and filling it, he kneels down in the dirt and says, come on, let's make man in our image. All this good isn't for me just to enjoy this good. It was actually made for the one I'm really going to enjoy. So let's take a little extra time and form. And then all of a sudden, whoo, life. Look at, we can know this because something happens on that last day that didn't happen any other day. See, everything was like, this is good because it's working towards this. So this is good. And then this is good. And the next thing is good. And then all of a sudden something happens different. When something repetitive changes, we look at why it changes, right? This is the way we look at literature. And all of a sudden, I realized it was good, good, good. And then it became tov, tov, tov. That's kind of fun. Everyone say that. Tov, tov, tov. No, really, say it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
So it's, so it's good, 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 and then all of a sudden it becomes tov miod. What changed? What changed? Was the very purpose in which everything was good for. It was the creation he made, mankind. And when mankind entered into all that was already good, it became tov miod. Come on. So why is that important? I don't know about you, but when I've been suppressed and pushed down and told I'm nothing, all of a sudden this God creator says, you know what? All this was created for you. You know what? Your gods that were, you were in Egypt around you was always telling that everything was for them. I wanted to tell you the truth. All this Everything created isn't for my purpose. It was made as a resting place for you. And because you entered into it, you made it very good. See, the world doesn't tell me that very often. I'm always trying to exceed expectations and be better. And I got to do this just right, right? And God said, everything around you should tell you that you're very good because it was all made for you to habitate. And you know what then? I'm going to come down in the middle of it and be with you. Yes. Yes. Exodus chapter 29 tells us one of the greatest things. He talks about him freeing his people from uh, Egypt. And he says this statement that is profound. He actually says, I set them free out of Egypt that I might be with them. You know what that tells me? God loves hanging out with you, brother. I'm red-haired, pigeon-toed. I was kind of a geek in school. That wasn't something people wanted to hang out with, man. You're gonna be watching my feet from now on. <laughs> so it wasn't, I was the last one picked for the team. You know, all those things. I was kind of a computer nerd. Yeah, that was back like uh, Apple IIc, all those things. You remember that? Apple II, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I, I, I wanna tell you that it wasn't something that people just all of a sudden wanted to hang out with me, but here's a God that does. All of a sudden, we live in a culture today that's canceling this and canceling that. You say one thing against someone, and they want to cancel you. They want to kick you out of your group. But I'm here to tell you the good news of the creation is the Almighty God has created a space for you, and you make that very good, and he inhabits that space. He wants to hang out with you, ladies and gentlemen. And that seems to be a very good thing. You've made it tov miod. Listen to this from the New Testament with this in mind. Remember, the Old Testament stories is building up to the New Testament. And the New Testament writers are writing it with the reality of what they know from the Old Testament. With the reality of Christ being that fulfillment. And listen to what Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He says this. Think about what we just said, what the classic part of the literature of creation story is, and hear this. Being confident of this, that he that began a tov work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Why do we know that? Because he didn't stop at the second day of good or the third day of good. He kept working good out until it became very good. How does Paul write that? It's because of the creation story. Because God never stopped until he got to very good. That's where you sit in your chair. It's just, I'd just help you if you weren't here Sunday morning. So you wave your arm like this and you say, Amen! Bring it, preacher! 
I just to help Pastor Mark again, I just want to tell you, amen to a preacher means you got it and you can move on. Amen. amen. Okay, good. Amen. amen. So this is who God is. This is who God is in this moment that he is able to. And so Philippians is that culmination of this story that God was going to always take the good. He will always bring it to completion. Why? Because we know of the creation story. And you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If that's what he did in creation, that's what he'll do in my life. Now, I want you to note that I want to add to this thought to think that all the good that was there was for a purpose of the very good to come because there's something that happens. All of a sudden, he looks around and Adam's there. He's naming the animals. He thinks he needs a helper, you know, but just before that, he actually looks around and goes, yeah, that's Tov Miod. Adam, you're not good by yourself. And all the women said... I, I always get amens at that part. <laughs> but it's at that moment that God says this. He says, Lotov. Everyone shout that. Lotov. Lotov. This is not good. And so how do I back up the idea that it was all the good for the creation of man? As soon as God said and saw that it wasn't good, God made a change. Come on now. As soon as no good entered into all the good, he said, I'm going to do something to make sure I get it back to the good. Come on now, that's something to shout about on a Wednesday night right here in Fairbanks. Why? Because I know when something enters into my life that isn't good, that is taking away from the good of me and how I view God, God's got an answer for it. God will do something about it. He won't just look at it and go, whoa, I wonder what I'm going to do. He'll actually say, this is messing up my good and I better restore good because that's what I want for my people. That's what I want for my creation. I want to let you know right now, this day, this moment, if something's not good in your life, I want you to know God is at work to make it good because as soon as he sees it's not good, he's got an answer to make it good again. I believe that tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because of God, because of what he says here. Did you know there's only two low toves in the Torah? This one in the first five books. This one and one time with Moses. So this is a big deal when he sees it and he says, man, I need to do something about this. I think that's an encouragement to us. Because I don't know about you, but I look around sometimes and I go, God, I know that my good and what I think is good is relative, but... This just doesn't seem good, and I can depend on this story to know. Maybe I can't see it, but I know he's working. Listen to this passage. I think this is incredible. Later in the book of Genesis, one of the favorite storylines of the Old Testament, really, Joseph. You'll, you know this story already before I even say it. Genesis chapter 50. He says, you intended to harm me. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. Remember, they sold him off into slavery and, and went through all that process and then ultimately raised up and saved the people and at the end, he's, uh, his dad had died, and, and they were all worried about what Joseph thought. And listen to what it says. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done to the saving of many lives. Yeah, maybe the, the, the grave and the, and the pit and the selling me wasn't good, but God knew how to get the bad that you caused to get good to save not only 
to save not only me, but many around me. I didn't like it now, but I didn't just end up in the pit and stay there. No, God had a way to get me out of the pit on a path. I had a few more bumps, but you know what? He worked out the good. Where do we know that from? Creation, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Listen to what Romans chapter 8, as Paul writes to the Roman church and has taken the accounts of, of creation, the accounts of Joseph and other things, and he brings it all together and says, you guys have quoted this a thousand times, but now put it in the context of what we've been reading and listen to it in a new light from the good of the story. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those that love him who have been called according to his purpose. I don't know about you, but that has a little bit more fire in it than it did before. Why does Paul write that so confidently? It's because the story and the narrative of God declares it time and time and time again. It may not be good now, but God has the answer and he'll work it to good. When it wasn't completely good, he kept working until it got there. When he saw that it was not good, he made it good again. God can do it in your situation, in your family, in your health, in your city, in your workplaces, in your relationships. That's just what God does. It doesn't always feel like you want to walk through it, but the truth of the story says, and in Psalm 107, and again in 136, he says he created humans to look up at the creator and call him good. Why? Because it says this, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. I want you to note something so we have saw good repeated until it got to be very good. We also saw when it went a little bad, it was a low tove moment. God brought it back to tove. But did you know that there's a tove missing? <laughs> so what's important when you read the literature, when you read the, the, the narrative of the scripture, you don't always look for what's there, but you also look for things that might be missing. Did you know that there's a tove missing out of our story? Does anybody know what didn't get the tove? There was a day of creation that didn't receive a tove. As soon as that happens, because we're looking to the words of the scripture, we go, why is there no tove on that day? Have you ever wondered? Do you know what day it is? It's the second day. Do you know what the second day is? It's Monday. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Isn't that hilarious? You wonder why Monday's bad. You can tell your boss the next time, oh, I'm really tired, it's beat up, I hate Mondays. And the boss will be like, why? Because the Bible says so. <laughs> Monday didn't receive a good. <laughs> That's great, so now you know. Why are Mondays always so bad? Because creation told us, right? You should just shut up the house, stay in the house, drink a lot of coffee, it's Monday. But what does this teach us today? Did God all of a sudden get to the end of the day and didn't have time management very well? Did he all of a sudden not get everything done that could be called good? Did he, was he a bad time management and all of a sudden he goes, whoops guys, we ran out of daylight. Why is it not good? Or why is it received no good? We don't know, but it's almost placed there for a clue. 
it's almost as if though God is saying, I'm gonna remove the good out of this because some days feel like it's not complete. Some days feel like, is it ever gonna get through? Why, God, haven't you changed my situation right now? Because did you know, on Tuesday, there's two toves. Tuesday gets two toves. So what is he saying? He finishes the work from Monday on a Tuesday. He gives that the tove. Then he continues to complete the work of Tuesday, and he gives it another tove. So all of a sudden, there are days that might not feel good. But the creator reminds us, if we'll just hold on, brother, the good will come. And those that wait upon the Lord will receive the double tove. How many of you know, if you'll just hold on, if you'll wait on the Lord, it will come. How many of you know, sometimes you just got to get from Monday to Tuesday. Sometimes you just got to hold on. Maybe it's not the best production day. Maybe you don't get everything done. But don't worry, your Tuesday's on the way. And I believe God put this here for us to be reminded that sometimes he works a little differently, takes a little extra time on certain things. We want our tov to come right away, but this in the creation story reminds us once again that God is in as a process and we can trust him that he'll get the work done. It just may take a little longer, but we just got to hold through our Mondays to get to our Tuesdays to get the double blessing of the Lord. I want to let you know uh, that still today, uh, things have changed a little bit because of time and all that, but did you know that a lot, of Wednesday, or a lot of weddings, new jobs got started, especially traditionally in the first century around Jesus' time, weddings would be done on Tuesdays. Why is that? Because there's double blessings on Tuesdays. I'd start a journey on a Tuesday. Sounds Irish, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> any Irish here? <laughs> I was going to throw the, 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 yeah, forget it, but... But still today, you'll start a new job on a Tuesday. Why is that? Because there's a double blessing. How many of you know we can trust the word, amen? Hey, did you know it's actually in the New Testament? John chapter two, remember, Jesus goes to a wedding and changes the water into wine. If you read that, the first part of chapter two, verse one, actually says, and there was a wedding on Cana on the third day. The third day is the Tuesday. Why is it on a Tuesday? Because that's the double blessing. And I want my wedding to be blessed doubly. So we're going to do it on a Tuesday. Amen? Amen? And so sometimes that omission tells us that maybe there's some undone things today. Maybe there's still some relationships broken. Maybe there's still some prodigals that are in your family. Maybe the dreams are unfinished, undone. But God's not done. He'll give you the double when it comes, but we just gotta learn to wait. I gotta make it through, and so I just wanna encourage you tonight. Maybe you're on your Monday spiritually. Maybe there's a place in your life that you're waiting for God's miraculous, maybe a healing, maybe a financial breakthrough. Maybe it's a Monday in that, but just wait, just hold on. Our God knows how to get from one day to the next, and your blessing will come because that's just who he is, ladies and gentlemen. The next repeat simply is this that he is a God that sees. Remember, he saw and it was good. How many of you are thankful that he is a God that sees? Actually, the first time a human being names God, which is Hagar, did you know that she's the first one that gives God a name? And she actually names him the God that sees. It was almost like she, it was kind of a sarcastic naming, kind of. She actually said, 
wow, I can't leave his sight. <laughs> Everything I do, he sees, so I'll just call him the God that sees. He sees you right now, right where you're at, right where you're going, what you're going through, because the Genesis account, the goodness of who he is, tells us that he sees. What happens next in this story? Remember, they are slaves, and God is reintroducing himself and then reinducing themselves to themselves. But something interesting happens. What started with nothingness of chaos, isn't that funny? A nothingness chaos, actually the Hebrew has some poetry in it. There's nothingness of chaos going on in the beginning. And then all of a sudden there is this peace, this empty chaos, let's say. And then God finishes the day of creation with this empty peace. He starts with empty chaos at the beginning of the story. And on day seven, it becomes an empty place where he stops and it's complete peace. Isn't that interesting? Now you might say, why is that important for the story? Why does God have this story? I want you to know what ends up being so incredible in this story is on day six, Man and, and man and woman are created in this moment, and the next thing they get to do is rest. <laughs> they haven't done anything to deserve that. <laughs> Some of us think that way, by the way. But we don't see what happens. Where are they on day seven? Well, they're created in the image of God. What else are they going to be doing? They see God doing nothing, ceasing. What would they be doing? The writer doesn't have to tell us because they assume you know. They're made in the image of God. He's ceasing. What are they doing? They ceased. That's a good word. They stopped. End of the sixth day. <laughs> And all of a sudden, God says, you know, you've had a rough day. <laughs> Why don't you sit up beside me and rest? Now, remember for a moment the audience. They were slaves. And they were taught that their value came from work. Brick quota was their value. They worked to gain food. They worked to gain rest. They worked to gain value and favor. They gained value in what they did, not who they were. And all of a sudden, the creator goes, I want to tell you a good story. I'm a God that's not like that. I'm not demanding that. I am actually a God that you come to me and you have rest, not because of what you did or what you thought you accomplished. You get it because of who you are in me. You don't gain value by what you do. You don't gain value by your output. You don't gain value and favor with me because you did all the right things. I want to tell you, I invite you to rest because that's what you were created for. And out of rest, you'll have that opportunity 
Come on. It's a good word in America today. How many, how many of you know we, we, we fight for the right jobs, for the right cash, for the right thing? We work hard to get a, a spot and a place, and we do all these things, and we think it's going to add value. And God says, don't do it like the world does it. Do it like what I've created you to be. You rest because of who you are, and out of that rest, you'll work. Come on now, out of rest you'll work. Here's what we've done. We've made rest like a reward for our work rather than we get rest and out of rest we'll work. Here, can I back that up a little bit? There's a repetitive narrative in the story. Did you guys hear something that was repeated that was kind of weird? It says this, it was evening and the morning. The first day. It was evening in the morning. The second day. It was evening in the morning. The third day. Now that's backwards, isn't it? Don't we start our days in the in the morning? But for God, He said, when it gets dark, that's when your day starts. So now listen to what a bunch of slaves are hearing in this moment. You're going to start your day with rest. Evening and mourning the first day. See, he flips it on its head. He actually says, the first thing you're gonna do in the day is you're gonna rest, and when you've been rested, you'll work. Isn't that awesome? He writes it right within the story so that we would realize that we're not working hard to gain favor with him. We're not trying to find value in what we do and who we are. We are good because he made us that way, and we are valued because we are his. It's not about your output. It's not how much you serve and how much you can get done. When I'm rested and when I see the value of rest and the gift of rest, I just want to serve this God. See, rather than working hard to try to get his attention, trying to get value, trying to gain somebody's respect, no, no, I don't have to because God already invited me to rest. I start my day with rest, and out of that rest and acknowledgement of who he is, I want to do it for him. I want to because I saw he's good. He made me good and he offered me rest that I know I need. And out of that, I'm gonna come out of that rest and go, wow, God, what a gift. What can I do for you? Rather than them coming out of Egypt, trying to gain attention of gods and trying to gain attention of taskmasters and just kind of keeping under the radar. And if I get enough bricks done, maybe it'll be just right. I want you to know some of you are serving the taskmasters of this world. And God is inviting you away from that and reminding you and introducing yourself back to yourself of how God truly created you. Some of us say, I just don't deserve it. I've got too much going on. I can't take time to rest. But God has given it to you as a gift because you're not defined by what you do, but you're defined because you're a creation of Almighty God. And that gift is directly from him. I don't know about you, but if a, if a, a package on, the, on, on, on my doorstep showed up and it didn't say Amazon and it said from God, I would open that thing and utilize it and try to figure it out for all I'm worth. Right? Some of you have unopened Amazon box, boxes at home probably. Oh, maybe you're not a hoarder. Okay, good. <laughs> but tonight I want to tell you that God has given us Rest, and we can work from that. And that's what this letter is, is to a people that had just free, just gotten free 
And God wants to show you you are valued, offering rest. Listen to Matthew chapter 10, verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, as Jesus says, therefore you are more value than many sparrows. We are his, ladies and gentlemen. We are his. There's also another omission that I want you to find here in this story that I think is super cool. We're gonna close up here in a second. But there's another omission that I want you to, there was an evening and a morning, the first day, second day. Did you guys catch where there was an omission? Remember, the seventh day is a day of rest. Did you note that there's no evening and the morning, the seventh day? Did you notice that? He intentionally leaves that out because he says, if you'll come into my presence where I'm at, there's rest for all, and it's always open. There's never an end to the seventh day. You're always invited to come into this rest and spend time with me. And ladies and gentlemen, can I also tell you, it's a picture of the kingdom to come. There is a day coming that we're gonna enter into his rest, and we will forever be with the Lord, and there will be no end to that day, ladies and gentlemen. The creation story is not only telling us about the beginning, but it's given us an idea of the end. We're going there, ladies and gentlemen. That's where it's taken us, to the seventh day, the day of rest that will never end. And if you know Jesus Christ tonight as your Lord and Savior, called on him for the redemption of your souls, that is also gifted to you because he died for that purpose, to restore that which was given in the creation story. You are the good of God. And he is good. Worship team, if you guys would come. Some of you are like, wow, they're coming on and he's leaving. (laughs) Did he just do a mic drop or something? (laughs) There's something that happens on Passover. How many of you have ever been through like a Passover Seder? A few of you. Um, Passover was a celebration set up by God that you would never forget what he did in the Exodus. How many of you know God can do mighty miracles, but sometimes we forget about him? How many of you know our present circumstances sometimes lets us forget about the great things God has done? And he knew that. And so yearly, he would just want them to celebrate Passover, to be reminded of the lamb given for their life that broke the bondage and slavery of Egypt and gave them a brand new life. And he wrote them a wonderful story of who he is and who they are. And so during a Seder, during the course of the night of a meal that you have celebrating that Exodus, yeah, you drink some cups and celebrate his goodness and you eat some different foods, all representing the story of redemption out of Egypt. The whole night tells that story, how they got there and how God brought them out. But there's something so crucial that happens during the night that I want you to know about. Remember, this story that we read tonight as we were discovering the good was about discovering the good of God and the good that he has created for you and I and the good that we are in him. And it was about a letter written to slaves those that had come out of slavery out of Egypt and needed to be reminded all those things because that time, that turmoil, that hurt was deep inside of them. Even today, some of us sit in this room, maybe not as honest with one another as we should be, but our story much 
has some of the same pains, some of those hurts, some of those things that still come from that time that we were in the Egypt, some things that maybe just happened yesterday or years ago. Some of it still kind of defined us and it creeps up. There's residual effects. And God knew that we needed something every year to remind them of who they are, what he redeemed them from, and that in his grace, he set them free and broke captivity. But it's something cool that happens that night. Now, this is a chair because, you know, I would usually like lay on the floor, but pastor, I've gotten pretty old. And so I just didn't, I'd be like rolling off the stage, trying to stand back up and just maybe these pants are too tight. I've eaten too many people have blessed me with a bunch of food and I'd be trying to get up. And all you'd remember from the whole night is, yeah, Lynn was looking a little wild trying to get up that night. So I'm just going to use a chair tonight. But if I was in the, let's say the first century during Jesus, I'd be laying around a table. I'd be partaking of those elements. And even today, they partake of those elements celebrating the Exodus. And you're always told to celebrate it like you were the one. That you were the one that came out of Egypt. And how many of you know we all have our Egypt story? And that the blood of the Lamb did set us free. And so in that night, we do something that's really cool. Anytime we're going to take any element of food and we're going to eat it, we lay way back in our chairs and we recline and we partake of that food. Why do we recline? Because I'm setting up a posture to remind me that I once was a slave, but now I'm free. See, a slave or somebody, a worker of the household, wouldn't have that opportunity to sit. They'd be working. And so that night, my posture is gonna declare a reality I live. And so every time I would partake of food, I would recline back, I would say a blessing, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And I would partake that in a place of reclining because I was declaring not only to myself, but the world around me that I am free. I am free. Posture says a lot about an inward reality. And so I'd like you to stand tonight, would you? Would you just stand all over this house with me? Tonight, God has reintroduced himself to you. You've been set free. You were once a slave to sin, death, and shame, and every element that comes from that. But you have been set free. And God has invited you in as those people to be reminded that he is above all things, above every circumstance, every sickness, every horrible thing, every creeping thing. He's above all those things. But he's also reminded you that this creation, the things around you, this beautiful Narnia, you call it, it was all made for you to reside here with him. And he's invited you to rest and take that posture. Maybe it's just not about ceasing from your work, but sometimes it's just ceasing from trying to find value in what you do. And if I could just try to impress him. And, and tonight, sometimes we just need to take that posture 
to recline once again, to declare the freedom we have in Christ. Some of us are gonna go out of here tonight and, and we'll find ourselves, the world, trying to tell us, well, you're not valued. You, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And God's made us aware that that's not how he is. He's not calling us to pay him back, do mighty things. He's calling us to himself to reside with him. And that time, you're gonna catch a glimpse of him, you're gonna catch a glimpse of yourself, and you're gonna go from that place and do mighty things for the Lord. But you won't do it to try to gain favor or value. You already know you're valued. Why? Because I am free. And he's made me free. And tonight, some of us haven't taken that posture of freedom. Your life on the other side of those doors maybe isn't as free as it could be. Some of you just need to take that reclining once again, physically and spiritually, just to declare to your circumstance, to your sickness, to the things going on in your life, that you know what? I'm free and I'm reclining and celebrating the freedom I have in Christ and he's gone before me. I'm going to believe him for it, but I'm also gonna believe that he's just gonna do it and, and if he gets me involved, he'll get me involved, but I am going to declare I'm free in my life. And so tonight, this altar call, as simple as it may seem, would be, Lord, I want my life, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, to recline once again, to declare I have freedom because of God's goodness. And so if that's you tonight, you'd say, I want to again be reminded of his goodness, reminded of my value, reminded who I am in him, and truly know I've been set free, and he's done all the work. Tonight, this first part of this altar call is simply right at your seat. If tonight you're saying, Lord, I need to be reminded of all that once again, my life doesn't feel like it's reclining. It doesn't always feel like it's free. But Lord, there's some things I need freedom for tonight. If that's you, will you just sit with me right in the chair where you're at? The altar call tonight is just to sit. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to just sit back and make it a recline. If you've got some empty chairs around you and you wanna lay down, you wanna put your feet up on the back of the chair, will you just do that? And will you just begin to pray in this posture of freedom right there and just begin to speak to the Lord. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the freedom. Lord, when others have told us get up and work for your value and work to impress. You called us to recline in freedom and recline as a declaration of the life we have in you. So Lord, we just take these few moments and Lord, if there's things driving us, false ambitions, things that are taking us away from what you want, Lord, I just pray they'd be set free tonight. Take those chains off of us tonight that we could recline Father, maybe there's some things that were said over us as young children, maybe leaders in our life that put us on a course of just, of no value and trying to not make the same mistakes and, and some are just tired in this place. And Lord, I just pray the peace of this story, the peace of the truth of this story would shine over them as they take this place of reclining in you. 
What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.